Welcome to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. The Pharmacy Future Leaders is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, focusing on pharmacy student perspectives, interviews, and the future outlook of our pharmacy industry. This is Lindsay Case, fourth year pharmacy student at the University of Colorado Skag School of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Tony Guerra, for the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast, broadcasting from DMAX Health and Public Services Building in Ankeny, Iowa. Connect with me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD or on my Tony PharmD YouTube channel, where you can find over 700 videos on drug pronunciation, memorization, and the top 200 that support my audiobook, Memorizing Pharmacology. Today, we have Lindsay Case, fourth-year pharmacy student at the University of Colorado in Denver. She was the vice president of the Colorado Student Society of Health System Pharmacists. She currently serves as chair for the ASHP Pharmacy Student Forum Community and E-Communications Advisory Group. She grew up in Olathe, Colorado, and received her Bachelor of Science in Biological Sciences with a minor in Biomedical Sciences at Colorado State in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today we'll be talking about rural health, international rotations, and the road to ambulatory care. Lindsay, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, I want to get started right away with leadership. That's what uh, Pharmacy Future Leaders is all about. And uh, your road is certainly a little bit different. So we want to know a little bit about your leadership journey uh, through what I understand. You took the career quiz uh, that uh, was just on a recent pharmacy podcast show and seems to be uh, a really great tool. Uh, Then ASHP, APHA, and then all the way to the honoraries, PLS and ROCHI. So go ahead and tell us uh, how you've gotten to where you are. Yeah, so like we talked about, I took the APHA careers pathway evaluation when I was a P1 because I wanted to learn more about the career options that we have as pharmacy students. And I knew that there was more than I knew coming into pharmacy school. So that's when I kind of realized that maybe I liked ambulatory care after I took that quiz. And that's when I started to get more actively involved in some of those organizations. So I ran, after my P1 year, I ran as a vice president-elect for the Colorado Student Society of Health System Pharmacists, served as the elect for a year, and then vice president my P3 year. And then I became more involved on the national level my P3 year as a member of the ASHP's community and e-communications advisory group. And I was fortunate enough to be selected as the chair this year for that group. Um, so I've been really involved with ASHP because they have a section on ambulatory care pharmacists. I was also the fundraising co-chair for our APHA ASP chapter at the University of Colorado. And that was just because I thought APHA was, had a really wide variety of things to learn about. And I wanted to learn more about pharmacy careers. Um, I liked what our chapter did. And then kind of moved through you know, became actually involved in PLS once I was selected and I was secretary for our Rokai chapter. Um, outside of school, I am a pharmacy intern at Kaiser Permanente Colorado. I've worked there since I was a P1, but during my P3 year, I was able to apply and I got hired as a clinical pharmacy intern at our clinical pharmacy call center, where I learned more about kind of the ambulatory care setting and insurance for sure. And you haven't graduated yet. It sounds like you've got pharmacist experience already. You're just waiting for your license. Uh, This is uh, it sounds like you're getting a really great 
I don't want to say just great education there, but it sounds like you're getting the opportunities to have the experiences that you need to lead a team uh, once you get out. And um, tell me a little bit about ambulatory care versus community just at the beginning of this podcast, because I think still some of the students that may be pre-pharmacy students may not know the difference between a community pharmacy slash retail and ambulatory care. Can you speak to that a little bit before we move on to the other parts? Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a good question. So ambulatory care is providing services to patients through direct patient care and medication management. It can be either like in an institution or a community-based clinic, but it's alongside providers. So physicians, PAs, NPs, and really depending on the site, you might be focusing on primary care, or a specific disease state like diabetes or cardiology anticoagulation. But the pharmacist can either have a panel of their own patients that are scheduled to come in to see them or through telephonic communication like for anticoag, or they could maybe do like curbside consults with the provider where if the provider has a complicated patient, they go in and help pick medications. Whereas community pharmacy practice usually happens within a pharmacy setting in the community. And they can do clinical services as well, like medication therapy management or doing health screenings, but it's not in the provider's office like an ambulatory care setting is. Okay, that that clears it up a bit. I want to hear more about the University of Colorado's Denver campus because it sounds a lot like Maryland. We had us we have the mothership, which is in College Park, Maryland, about thirty five, forty thousand people just north of Washington, D.C. You can take the metro rail in from that campus. But the Baltimore campus, you can actually go in from Union Station across the street at Camden Yards and still get into Washington, D.C. But the Baltimore campus is a medical campus. 4,000 of the students, I believe, are graduate students, maybe 1,000 are undergrads. But it was more, although it was a public college, it felt a lot more like a small liberal arts college. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, the University of Colorado Denver campus and how that's different than maybe Boulder or uh, Fort Collins with, a, you know, with Colorado State? Yeah, so University of Colorado Denver has two campuses. There's the Aurora campus, so that's kind of the undergrad campus. And then there's the Anschutz Medical Campus, and that's located in Aurora, Colorado, so a little outside of Denver. But it's all health professions. So it houses, obviously, the School of Pharmacy. And then we have the School of Medicine. So there's medical students, physician assistant, and physical therapy students. There's the College of Nursing, the School of Dental Medicine. There's the Graduate School, like PhDs in research. And then there's the School of Public Health. Um, So I think we have about 4,000 students on our campus as well. And then we have the University of Colorado Hospital is housed on our campus, Children's Hospital Colorado, the main one is housed on our campus and they're currently building the VA. One of the Denver VAs is going to be there once they're done building it. Uh, With the University of Colorado campus, I really enjoy it because all of our classes are taught in the education buildings. So all the professional students are learning side by side, not in the same classroom, but for example, we'd have a class and when we leave, the dental students are coming in and having a class in that same classroom. So you're really seeing a lot of interprofessional education day to day. And then during our second semester of our P1 year and then first semester of P2 year, we also have an interprofessional class where there's like five to 10 students um, ranging from all those different schools and colleges who get together for about two hours in the afternoon with about five other groups of students. We talk about ethics and we do group quizzes and stuff like that. 
No, that definitely is uh, different than what I had. And I, I was in school in the early 90s. And we might have afterwards, we might have a med school party or a dental school party. And there weren't many of them. It was maybe one or two a semester. But everything was definitely separated. We definitely had our own buildings. The students would connect maybe outside, but uh, we had nothing like that where we would actually see students from other disciplines. Uh, the dental school, I don't think I ever met a dental student except maybe at the VA cafeteria or something like that. So that's really great that you've that you've gone above and beyond or Colorado's gone above and beyond with the interprofessional space. Uh, tell me about this interprofessional Dawn Clinic uh, that you've been involved with. Yeah, the Dawn Clinic is a student-run free clinic. It was opened in March of 2015 after a lot of work from students in the primary care progress chapter and then a collaboration with the Fields Foundation, which they bought the Dayton Street Opportunity Center that the Dawn Clinic houses there. Um, clinic Tuesday clinic nights in and then Wednesday physical therapy nights in um, so it's primary care services for the underserved of our community uh, there's medical students PA students pharmacy students nursing students behavioral health that actually come from the downtown Denver campus physical therapy we have laboratory testing and we have dental students that are there so the students all work side by side we go in and see a patient assess them come out talk to our preceptors then the preceptors come back in um, so it's a it's a long time for the patients that are there because it's learning but it's great for those patients who can't afford to see a provider or you know don't know who to go see it really helps our community. It helps the students gain clinical experience. And then it really helps with interprofessionalism. No, it sounds like a great opportunity. Do you know, my understanding is that the only real struggle with clinics like that is follow-up care. So they do get the maybe... Uh, free care from you guys or uh, discounted care from you guys. Uh, how does that clinic handle referrals afterwards? So let's say someone has a severe ulceration and they need surgery, things like that. How do they hand yeah. those things off? So we do have someone that ha sits at an insurance booth um, every, I think she's there every Tuesday that tries to help pe sign people up for Medicaid if they're available. Um, I mean, we do have some undocumented people that are in Aurora. So that is hard if it's something that would need to follow up not with us because we have people that see us as their primary doctor, but if they need to follow up like at a more high level, uh, that can be difficult. So trying to get them insurance or seeing if they live in Denver County because we have a safety net hospital in Denver County. Oh, it sounds like, though, that at least there's there's some options for them. I, I'm referring to a podcast that I'd heard about the Chicago underserved area, and they really struggled with that part of it because they could do a good job while they were there, but then afterwards. But it sounds like maybe Colorado is a bit progressive in this way and that they can uh, do that and they can uh, send them on. Uh, well, uh, Colorado seems to be very committed to making sure that their students can serve underserved students. Uh, and now I'm going to go to not not underserved students, but rural areas that may be underserved. Can you tell me a little bit about AHEC and how they work with medical and pharmacy students uh, helping with APPE rotations? I think now you were in Alamosa or you were earlier in the week. But uh, in Iowa, I know that we're trying to keep 
Iowans, especially those that come from rural towns, in rural towns, if they go to professional school to come back. We had Brandon Gerleman, who is from Winterset, you know, Bridges of Madison County, Winterset. And uh, how is that helping uh, to make sure that you guys have the experiences and exposure to rural health? Yeah. So for those who don't know, AHEC stands for Area Health Education Center. So we have the Colorado AHEC and they're kind of divided into different regions and they work with the School of Medicine, Dentistry, Nursing, Pharmacy and PA students who are on rural underserved rotations to find them housing. So as pharmacy students during our API rotations, we're required to complete it's usually two underserved rotations, and some of those are in the metro area. We do have underserved populations in the metro area, but there are a lot in rural Colorado. So when you're going that far away, they can't, they don't expect you to pay for your own housing. So that's where AHEC comes in, and these families offer up rooms in their houses, or if, for example, if they had like a summer home and it was in that area, sometimes they offer up their home home for these students to live in and then they're refunded through AHEC, which is funded through a grant. I look, kind of looked up about AHEC more. Uh, but AHEC is really focused on kind of increasing teaching like elementary and middle school students in these rural underserved areas about health professions um, and trying to encourage them to get into health professions. They also want to encourage all of the medical, pharmacy, dental students to come back to rural areas by teaching them about these underserved areas through our rotations. And then just increasing, I think, that knowledge that's coming into the underserved area from students who are coming in to learn and who have, you know, a desire to learn more and teach more. Okay, it sounds like you're getting a a lot of support there from not only your school, but from the state. Uh, You were just in Washington, D.C., and I'm a native Washingtonian, so my parents are outside of Washington, D.C. I could live at their house. I was able to live at my grandparents' house during my APPE rotations. But you were in Bethesda. You know how much it costs to stay in Bethesda for a day, much less five weeks. Can you talk about Airbnb? Because I guarantee you there was nothing like that when I was in pharmacy school. And I'm curious how students now are dealing with these four-week, five-week, six-week rotations. How is Airbnb a solution for all that? Yeah, Airbnb is really great. I'm very thankful for Airbnb. So like you said, I was in Bethesda, Maryland for my rotation at ASHB. And then for my rotation in Dublin, Ireland, I'm also looking at Airbnb um, places to stay. And it's so simple because you can type in, you pick the dates that you'll be staying there. You can kind of pick a price range and then it'll give you options and areas of where these places are. Um, It's hard if you're not from the area because you don't know how far away, like how far of a walk is that? Or how close is that really to the bus? But that's where the reviews come in so handy. So actually you read what the person says, but if the person says it's a five minute walk to the Metro and you read the reviews and everyone's saying it's a 20 minute walk to the Metro, you might not want to stay there because you're not sure how honest it is. But I think most of the time, everyone's really honest on their Airbnb accounts. Um, The reviews are helpful because you can see what people liked about the stay, what they didn't like, how close it is to stuff, how accommodating the people are, like if you can use the kitchen, stuff like that. Um, And then I think we talked about them offering discounts. So I also like that for Airbnb because it's expensive to stay places, especially for six weeks. Um, So when you put in that amount of time that you're staying, I was there for six weeks, it 
pops up and it'll tell you the price per day, but then it'll also tell if they give you a weekly or a monthly discount. So I was actually in Rockville for my, like where I stayed and I got a 35% discount on my stay for staying over a month. So that really helped with the price. No, that's fantastic. Uh, you mentioned Ireland. I'll talk a little bit about what my wife and I did. We went on our, it was supposed to be our 10 year anniversary. It was our ninth year anniversary. We went to Ireland, never been there before. And we had never used B Airbnb. So our first time ever using it was in August. And we just tried it out. We went out to Galway and it was fantastic. It was, uh, the person was really nice, got the keys, got in, uh, were able to use the kitchen. Uh, more importantly for us, we had been in hotels, so we were really excited to be able to use a washer and dryer. Uh, so that was a big deal. But uh, tell me a little bit about how you're already a destination college that you're in Denver. So you get to be in Denver and now you even get to be in Dublin, Ireland or in Galway, Ireland. Tell me how you set it up. I, I have to say I'm a little bit jealous of uh, what you've got out there in Colorado. Yeah, I, th I feel really fortunate because at my school, there's a lot of past students who have done international rotations. Um, during our second and third year, they sent out a survey and ask if people are interested in doing an international rotation. And you can look on our e-value site and find the sites that they already have relationships with. So I looked at places in Australia, New Zealand, and then Ireland. But I know other students have been to Egypt, Vietnam, Dubai. So we have a lot of students who have been to varying areas. And it's really nice because the school is so helpful if they already have a pre-existing relationship to help you set up those sites. I didn't have to do a lot of the legwork. Um, and then you confirm during your P3 year. And they make sure that the time frame that you set aside works for your preceptors. So I'm going to be at Trinity College in Dublin for my last rotation. Uh, we have a really long-standing relationship with the preceptor at Trinity College. He actually likes to take two students from Colorado at a time. Um, so the same time slot because he thinks that you learn better together. So you can talk about the experience you had that day and they can talk about theirs. And then you're also not alone in a foreign country. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I know I was just when I first got there, I was just trying to get I remember going to get a Red Bull and just like, let's see if it works. Let's see if my credit card works. And then I, <laughs> you know, got phone access is like, oh, I can call home. And then my <laughs> wife's like, OK, give me the phone. I want to call some people. I was like, OK. And, like, right. you know, certainly there was the bill after, but there was some kind of ten dollar a day deal that it actually worked out to not be that terribly expensive uh, to put it on Verizon or whatever it was. But, yeah, tell me a little bit more about the preceptor or have you already connected with them? You're, you're with Trinity, which is. You know, one of the best schools in Ireland, I just can't, I'm just kind of trying to fathom all of this coming together. This is fantastic. But tell me a little bit more about the preceptor, if you know anything more about them or have you communicated uh, with them? A little bit. He actually came to our school last year and gave a talk about pharmacy in Europe and Ireland and Australia um, at our school about all of those things. And I've talked to him. I sent him the Airbnbs I was looking at and he told me which ones were best. So, which <laughs> it's ones always good to get a referral. Uh, yes, and it is. I, I, I won't do a, an Irish accent, but they have <laughs> this expression there. You are very welcome. And when you say you are very welcome here, it's like, thank you. But when they say you are very welcome, they literally mean you are very welcome to be here. And they're so excited to have us. Uh, I, haven't been to many places, but I have never been to a country that is so excited to see uh, people, Americans, uh, other 
uh, tourist. Uh, just one of the best experiences I had. I'm so jealous that you're getting to go there. Uh, I'd love to go back there one time. But let me play devil's advocate uh, and say, what's the point of going abroad? So I think there's two main reasons for me. Uh, the first being I've lived in Colorado my entire life. And I think doing something like this, going to another country will really help me grow as a person, you know, teach me a lot. Uh, going somewhere for six weeks and I'll just think I'll really learn a lot about myself but I also want to learn more about the practice of pharmacy somewhere besides Colorado so I think that it'll help me advance my practice by seeing how they practice internationally I know that in Ireland they get a master's degree it's not a doctorate degree so it'll be really interesting to learn about their education and how they practice pharmacy to see what I think maybe is better and how I could improve my practice when I'm a pharmacist and then also to appreciate the things that I've seen that maybe seem like it's more beneficial here so I think it'll just really help me grow as a person and as a professional no, I, I think you're right. I think you'll enjoy it. We'll definitely have to have you back on after that experience. Uh, but how do you split? Um, uh, so we're, we've talked a little bit about the personal, a little bit about the professional. Uh, how do you split on social media, your personal and professional life? And so I kind of picked social media to fit certain aspects of my life. Um, I like Facebook for personal stuff because I can tell my friends and my family, people from high school, people from undergrad pharmacy school, what's going on in my life. So I obviously tell them what's happening in pharmacy school. If I get a new job, you know, if I get residency, hopefully, um, but I can also post pictures like, look how cute my dog is. And I don't think that's very professional. <laughs> oh, we do the same thing, but we, we don't have a dog. We have our, our kids, but uh, I still have to figure out why it is. I'll post some, the exact same picture. My wife gets twice as many shares and likes as I do. So maybe they're, they're saying something about me. I don't know. But so Facebook is personal. What about LinkedIn and Twitter? Um, so Twitter, I recently started kind of like my pharmacy Twitter. Um, that kind of happened when I was at my Abby at ASHP. I met with the person in charge of social media, and she talked about how, in general, people like to get news from Twitter because it's quick-hitting topics, you know, 140 words. And I thought that was really interesting, and I wanted to start a Twitter where I could focus on news relevant to my profession and to pharmacy and keep it all in one place. And I thought maybe it would help me improve my role in advocating for my profession without it getting mixed up in cute dog pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Okay, what as, about LinkedIn? Yeah, as far as LinkedIn goes, um, I'm currently working on updating my LinkedIn. I think updating my CV and updating my LinkedIn is a constant process. Uh, I listened to the other podcast where they talked about how you can download your LinkedIn profile and it looks like a CV and you can compare it to your actual CV and see if they're lining up and you're, putting the same message across because now nowadays with everything so electronic people can look in your look at your linkedin account before they ever see your cv and i think you want to make sure that you have everything on your linkedin that's on your cv that you're trying to tell people about no definitely i i agree and the nice thing is is that you'll be able to if you want to share this podcast on linkedin as well so uh, it'll give them a little bit more uh it's it's a little bit tough, I think, to, to get to know someone you're trying to hire. And nursing has this. I think medicine has this where they have smaller communities where recruiters can just look at that. But I don't think there's one for pharmacy. So it's still a very large number of people that they have to look at. And 
anything that can make it easier for them uh, sounds like uh, having a good LinkedIn profile is is an effective tool. Well, what do you hope to do after your fourth year? You mentioned residency, PGY one, PGY two, uh, rural healthcare. Uh, what what would be your ideal situation after ASHP in terms of getting invites? Uh, so I'd like to do my PGY one in general pharmacy practice, and then. Right now, I'd like to go on and do a PGY-2 in ambulatory care. Um, I'd like to do PGY-1 in general practice because I really want to get a good baseline understanding of clinical hospital practice, how that affects a patient when they're in the hospital and how it changes when they go into the outpatient setting. Um, and also, like we're saying, with rural health, um, I grew up in a small town in western Colorado, and I really like how it's different on those rural rotations. There's sometimes lower resources in the hospitals. We have to send certain people out. Um, there's a lot of underserved people, lower incomes, and I think it's very interesting, but you definitely possibly need to wear multiple hats in a rural setting. And so really understanding how a hospital works and then ambulatory care, I think would make me the best pharmacist I could be. So how do you narrow down the residency choices? I know there are, most of them are accredited. There's some that are not. Uh, who do you turn to for advice when it comes to that? You've got leadership positions, certainly, but how do you make yeah. these decisions? How do you uh, narrow it down? So I started out with a spreadsheet. It actually came from a student the year above me who's uh, in residency now. She had made a spreadsheet. So I kind of used her general outline. And I... I started just like looking at programs I thought were interesting, finding about other programs people applied to, and I looked at the ASHP's website first, um, and then I would find their website. But my spreadsheet includes things like the RPD contact information, the application deadline, how many residents there are, what are the required rotations, what are the elective rotations, are there PGY2s available at that site, um, what's the cost of living if it's not in Colorado, just so I have an idea and then their forecast code and their um, matching service code. And then I kind of have another like sheet on that spreadsheet with qualities that are important to me to help kind of narrow down the area. So that stuff like the resident class size, what are the teaching opportunities, how many rotations are available in ambulatory care. Um, other qualities I know students look for sometimes is distance. Sometimes people like to be close to home or as far away from home as possible. Uh, distance wasn't a huge thing for me. Um, sometimes people also look at the time frame for accreditation. So certain people maybe want a program that's been accredited for a long time or aren't concerned about accreditation. I do want an accredited program, but I'm not sure about the time frame that matters to me. Uh, but like I was saying, for advice, students who've gotten residencies are helpful because if you're looking at a site that you are interested in and they interview there or go there, they can give you a lot of insight about maybe the culture or things you can't find on the website before you go to mid-year. No, and then I, mentors. Okay. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, we went uh, looking. We ended up in Iowa and uh, my wife had ties here, but we started out back in Maryland and she wanted to stay there or wanted to try to stay there for me. And it just ended up that we were here and it ended up being a great fit. And it sounds like, although people will tell you, you know, everybody's got good grades, that's sort of true. Uh, but if you're Rokai, you definitely do. And, you know, what's the thing that stands out? And it really comes down to fit. 
And that's what you're really, I think, doing at ASHP. And it sounds like you've got the spreadsheet and then the spreadsheet will come alive uh, once you get there. Well, I know some people would be interested in contacting you, getting some of this uh, good information or maybe some other information. How do you prefer people contact you? Uh, so you can contact me by email. Uh, my email is Lindsay in as in Nicole case at gmail.com. You can contact me on my Twitter at Lindsay farm D to B, which will change after I become a farm D. <laughs> <laughs> and then my LinkedIn, www.linkedin.com slash Lindsay dash case, which will all send those all to you. Sounds good. We'll put those in the show notes. Well, a couple of uh, quick questions at the end here. What's your best daily ritual to keep your work on track? I make to-do lists. I make lists about the things I have to do for work, for school, for my leadership positions. Um, I have a MacBook and then an iPhone. So I use the reminder section on there and I'll put anything I need to get done where it pops up. And that pops up my phone and my Mac so that I can't forget about it. That's awesome. <laughs> I should actually use something like that. It's better than emailing myself and hoping it's at the top when <laughs> I need it. Uh, what about the best career advice you've ever received? Um, I got this one recently. Do something every day to make your palms sweat. Oh, that's a good one. It's an emotional, uh, emotional tie. And then let's take that to the last question. What inspires you? The future. I think there's a lot of, to look forward to in the next few months and years. And I'm just really excited to become a pharmacist and be the best pharmacist that I can be. It sounds like you've uh, really got things going uh, really well. You've got a lot of joy and a lot of happiness in your life, a lot of happiness for the future. And you're not only enjoying what you're doing now. So let me get this straight. Washington, D.C. to Denver to Vegas to Ireland and you're in professional school. This is uh, fantastic. I, I definitely did it wrong. You definitely did it. <laughs> well, Lindsay, thanks so much for being on the pharmacy podcast. Thank you. If you're a pharmacy future leader interested in being on the pharmacy podcast, please contact me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD. And if you are interested in sponsoring a pharmacy future leaders episode, please contact Todd Yuri at pharmacypodcast.com. We thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. Be sure to share the show with the hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders. 